Hello, and welcome to the Sunday Sermon Cast from Bethel Evangelical Free Church on Washington Island, Wisconsin. I'm Rick Smith, and I've been here at Bethel since 2016, enjoying this great church on this spectacular place off the northern tip of Door County, Wisconsin. This message comes from our Sunday morning service here on the island, and it's geared towards discovering what the Bible has to say to us in our everyday lives. So, God's blessing on you, and thanks for joining with us wherever you are today. Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis was the world heavyweight boxing champion from 1937 till he retired in, in 1949. And uh, at one point he was serving in the army um, and he was driving a fellow GI when he was involved in a minor collision. Uh, it, it was a large truck and the, the truck driver got out and he started yelling and swearing at Lewis and, and uh, Lewis just sat in the driver's seat smiling and uh, his buddy that he was with him, he's like, why, why, did, why didn't you get out and knock him flat? And, uh, and, and Lewis responds to him and says, well, why should I? When somebody insulted Caruso, did he sing an area for him? <laughs> this, is, uh, this, is, this is about identity, isn't it? Who you are and we think we are. Uh, the, the truck driver really didn't know the real identity of the person he was cussing out, did he? Because um, if he had, he would have treated him entirely differently uh, because this man could do a lot of damage to him. But Joe Lewis, as he walks through this, said, I don't need to prove anything to this. This is nothing I need to get involved with. Uh, why get myself so agitated about him? We will face criticism. People will not like things that we do at times. And, and how do we respond to adversity in our lives? Uh, and, and some of how we respond is going to depend on what we think of ourselves. Lewis knew he could take this guy no matter what. It was not going to be a problem for him, but he didn't need to do that. This wasn't something that rose to that level or that thing. And as we face difficulties in our life, remembering who we are as, as people of faith, well, it makes a whole lot of difference in how we approach that. Uh, we will go through that. We will go through struggle. And will wonder sometimes, God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why is this hard and bad thing happening in my life? And what do I do with it? One of the things that I love about our study through the book of Acts is that it's, it gives us a picture of, of difficulties that our brothers and sisters in the past faced and, and how they handled them. And, and sometimes because or through the, the difficulties, they saw, and sometimes because of the difficulties, they saw God do a work. It was because of the nature that they were in that situation, having to deal with something hard that uh, God shows up. Earlier on in the book, and as we're at chapter 11 now, in chapter 7 we saw Stephen testifying to who Jesus was and how God had culminated everything in, in what Jesus had accomplished. And as he looks and sees a, a vision of Jesus before him, he is killed by uh, the religious authorities there. And, and because of that, a religious persecution breaks out against those who are followers of Jesus. And, and as we saw in going into chapter 8, that when those people scattered and were driven from their homes in Jerusalem, well, things happened. And as we approach the middle of chapter 11, it's still happening. God is still doing a work despite the fact that they were, were up, uh, uprooted from their homes and sent to other places. God was working. 
If you have your Bibles, we are in Acts chapter 11, starting in verse 19. And it says, Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in, context, in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and, and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. One of them, named Agabus, stood up and through the Spirit predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world. This happened during the reign of Claudius. The disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So again, the uh, the struggle that happens because of Stephen's persecution and then that breaks out that actually Saul, who is referred to here, begins to give his approval for, people are scattered from all kinds of to all kinds of places from Jerusalem. And some of them have gotten as far as Antioch, which is to the north of Jerusalem, a uh, hundred or so, maybe a couple hundred miles, uh, right in the northeast corner of the Mediterranean Sea. And this town in particular, a pretty important town within the Roman Empire, but the third largest city in the whole empire, about 300,000 people would live there, and 22,000 to 65,000 of them were Jews. And and so there you've got a couple things. You've got this large group of, of, of a Jewish, Jewish people there, but you also have the place of authority for the Roman Empire in the Syrian region. And, and it's a very cosmopolitan city on a number of levels. And, and word gets to there about Jesus. The, the guys and families that were uprooted from Jerusalem, are, they find themselves in, in these places, along with Cyprus and, and Cyrene and, and other places, uh, the message is still going forth and and it's having success. People are hearing about Jesus and it's like, yes, I will believe that. As they tell the stories and, and certainly those disciples coming from Jerusalem, having seen Jesus and, and heard and seen the persecution and seen the spirit work and, and now the message goes forth and people come. And uh, this then gets the attention of the disciples in Jerusalem. Because uh, as, as they listen to what's going on, the word filters back to them, and and there's a, there's a there's a group of believers out up in uh, up in Antioch, and and uh, and so they said, well, we probably should send someone to to see what's going on there, and and they pick Barnabas. Uh, Barnabas is the one who uh, we've come across Barnabas tw twice already in in the book of Acts, in chapter four, as the church was building and and developing. They were noted for caring for one another, and, and they would sell pieces of land and, and give it to people as they had need. And, and Barnabas is one of those who sells a piece of land and gives it, and people are like, yeah, thanks, that's so much, that's so generous of you. And, and then when Saul, who was overseeing the destruction of the church, 
comes to faith and converts to, to, to following Jesus, it's Barnabas who brings him into Jerusalem and introduces him to the fellowship there. Saul had come to faith on the road to Damascus and he heads, finishes up in Damascus and has a ministry there where he talks about Jesus having figured out that the things he was trying to destroy, though that was actually God's work. And so uh, as he's eloquently, because of his great training as a, as a Pharisee, knowing the scriptures backwards and forward, he makes all those connections about how Jesus fulfills what God said he was going to do. Well, he is kicked out of of Damascus at the threat of his life and comes to Jerusalem and it's Barnabas who introduces him there and says this guy this is this is what God did to him on the road to Damascus and this is what he's been doing in in Damascus and 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 we need to welcome him and, and be part of that and so now Barnabas comes to this church and and as we see fruit from the struggle of what has what what was the persecution we're seeing now emerge a fellowship within the community of Antioch. And, and uh, it's time to build up the foundation. And Barnabas is the one chosen to come be part of that. And, and as he comes, uh, I love how it, it, it describes how he gets there. He, and he arrives to town. He sees what the grace of God has been doing within the community. And he looks around and he's like, oh my goodness, look what God is doing in people's lives. Look at this, this group of people that is gathered and is worshiping Jesus. This is fantastic. And, and, and he took great joy in that. The, the text, the NIV text said that he was glad, but uh, there's this sense, just he rejoiced as he saw what happened. And then, and then he begins to encourage the people there to, with their whole hearts to remain connected to God with their whole hearts. Uh, this word encourage is, uh, can be used in a number of ways. It's a fairly expansive word in, in, in Greek, and it can mean encourage as means, hey, you're doing a great job and, and, and keep it up. But it can also mean, I really encourage you to straighten up and fly right. <laughs> uh, there's a sense where it can mean exhortation, to, to encourage them as in, uh, you need to stay with this. And, uh, and, and that's certainly the sense as he sees them, they're going to face difficulties but to remain in the Lord with your whole hearts. Remain true to the Lord with your whole hearts. Uh, well, this is the essence of disciple-making, isn't it? This is the essence of, of coming along young believers and helping them to walk through things and to, to grow up in the faith, to build up the foundation of, of the message of the gospel. And certainly a, a big aspect of it, people need to hear who God is and that what Jesus has done on our behalf and how his spirit is working and moving. But as that happens, then growing up into this is important. And, and uh, the, the characteristics of Barnabas, he, he's a good man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he is the one given this task. And it's great to have guys like Barnabas around, isn't it? to be able to send him and to take a look at the situation and find ways to help encourage and develop their faith. This is, again, the essence of what church life is about. We talk and we lift up the Lord in worship, but we do this in community. We walk alongside with one another, caring for one another. If you've come to faith, undoubtedly there's been people that have been part of that. And as you've grown, they've walked through that with you. As I think about my life, when I came to faith as a freshman in high school in, in the Chicago suburbs, there was 
there was a, a guy in particular who came alongside me in, in those days. His name is Kurt, and, and, and Kurt Zitzer spent time with me and, and talking about who Jesus is and, and what it means, gave me opportunities for leadership uh, moments. And, and then as he, me and a, a close friend of mine, Mike, were heading off to college, sat us down and said, all right, you're heading off to college. Who are you going to be? What are you going to do? And what are you not going to do? And, and made us write down some things that, that we were going to be committed to in the style of Barnabas. He was encouraging or exhorting us to remain true in our hearts with God. And, and that's the essence of it. When I went to college, uh, I met another guy who put me, put me under his wings, a guy named John Fisco who walked with me and he taught me different things about life and scripture and, and walked me through different things. And, and then later on, uh, a, a youth pastor from my old church, uh, Doug Britton, spent time with me and, and, and challenged me when I needed to be challenged and, and encouraged me when I needed to be ch- encouraged. And, and it's the people that come alongside us that matter. Now, when we look at this church in Antioch, there's no big names. In fact, they don't name anyone who's in the church in Antioch. All we hear about is, is Barnabas, and then later that Saul is going to come there because Barnabas wants them to come alongside and help teach the church. But that's so much of our world. You guys don't know anything about these people in my life, and yet they've had profound impact upon me. I also have had falling outs with each of these men because sometimes as we, we rub shoulders with people, we, uh, we get mad and agitated. Maybe we don't want to hear what they have to say or, or maybe they don't like what we're doing and there's misunderstandings along the way. And, and uh, on some level, that's, that's good too because we're all humans, aren't we? We all have to figure this out and sometimes it's in our failures and our mistakes that we realize, oh, I, I, I need to, to, to work through these things. Uh, delightfully, uh, the, the falling outs I've had with them have been reconciled, and, and I have had contact with them again in my life. Kurt is in, in uh, the southeast Arizona, and, and when I'm down there seeing my mom, I oftentimes will, will spend uh, part of an afternoon with him. And, and uh, Doug is, is a missionary in Ukraine, and uh, when he comes back every year, sometimes we get together in Chicago, and when Lily and I went visit Michael last year, we spent uh, a couple days out there with him. And just a good to have these solid people in our lives. And so who are those people in your life? Who have helped you discover what this is and, and walk faithfully and, and in, in tough times redirected you? But also with that, how have you been that person? Are there people in your life that you've come alongside and, and helped them to, to grow up in the faith? Sometimes you've had to well, to exhort them and, and encourage them in to, to st- straighten up a little bit in the things they were doing because of their immaturity, the things that they were doing. But other times to find their gifts and help encourage them to move up and to walk through and, and develop as followers of God. This is a responsibility for all of us, and it goes up and down. We have people who encourage us, but then we go out and we encourage others and walk with them. This is part of our responsibility, and that's, that's the beauty of the church. We do this together. God is out there, and God loves us, and His Spirit is among us, 
but for some reason, he has chosen to use each of us to help us grow and live. Well, eventually for Barnabas, he says, you know what, I, I, I need some more help. So he goes and, and finds Saul in Tarsus. Now, Tarsus is about 130 miles away from from Antioch. It's not an easy thing. And Saul it has been ministering probably for just about 10 years at this point. I, I know it's only two chapters that he came to faith, but uh, sometimes the uh, the Bible just kind of want to skip a few years and then there you are. And and so Saul has been teaching and ministering and 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 Barnabas says, hey, I got this ministry in Antioch and I really could use your help. You know, the, the, the work that you've done with uh, with the scriptures and, and, and how God has gifted you in evangelism. And so he brings Saul over and, and for a year they, they are teaching the church about what it means to follow and, and showing him how Jesus is the completion of, of God's word in the Old Testament and, and then talking to large crowds and, and ministering to them. And again, this is people with people and, and, and using our different gifts to build up the foundation of God's church. We need one another. We need different people with different particular skills and gifts to do that. Uh, we have asked Matt and Mandy to come here and be part of us, to have some place within our community to help us reach our young people with the Lord. And, and in the process, we will have influence on them, and uh, they will have influence on all of us as we rub shoulders with one another. Well, that's not the only thing that happens in this story, right? Uh, this guy Agabus comes, and a whole bunch of prophets, they come down from Jerusalem. And, and Now, we, uh, we understand uh, when we say come down, oftentimes, you know, you go south when you go down usually, but it seems like you're always coming down from Jerusalem. But, well, because Jerusalem is on a mountain peak, and, and many things are down the hill from Jerusalem. And so while they go north, they go down. And so the prophets come down from Jerusalem, and Agabus talks about a famine that's going to come. We're going to see Agabus again because he's going to have another prophecy related to, to Saul later on in, in, the, in the book of Acts. But this one is about the famine that's coming. Uh, a famine that Luke identifies as the one that happened during the reign of Claudius, which gives us some time frame that it's about 45 AD that this happens. Uh, if, uh, if Jesus died uh, in about 30 AD, then it's some 15 years or so after Jesus' death and his uh, us resurrection and ascension. And the response of the church is well, it's quite beautiful here, isn't it? What do they do? Here's a famine's coming and they hear about it and their first response, as the text says, is, well, you know, we've got stuff. And, uh, you know, our brothers and sisters in, in Judea, they're going to have a hard time if this famine goes through. Let's, let's help them out. And as they had, as they had means to do it, they, they sense things to help them. They minister to others. And on some level, uh, they're putting their, their money where their heart is. That's, as they, they look at, at what God has been doing in their midst, the, the relationship they have with, with Jesus, and understanding that this, this community of faith, we are brothers and sisters in the Lord. And we got to help them out. And so they do. And they put this in action. Uh, there's an opportunity to live out the faith that is developing within their hearts. Caring for others. Uh, a simple living out of the life of Jesus 
and how we live our lives really has something to say about what it is that we believe in, what it is that we're following and walking along with. Uh, we can say we love one another, but in times of difficulty and need, we don't have anything to say or help with it that says something about what we really feel about them. The church community in Antioch, they're getting it. And they're seeing, okay, here's an opportunity that's going to be difficult. They're going to need some help, so let's help them out. And i got a challenge for us. As we take these narratives, we're seeing what God did in people's lives, right? And that's why we have these stories in, in the book of Acts, to see how God helped grow the church through the Spirit and through the different people that led it. And how do they respond to that? And the question for us is, what differences does it make? Is there, any, is there anything for us in this? Well, I think along with this idea of, of this side-by-side -side caring for one another, lifting others up, encouraging them, is to be able to think beyond our own needs and our own community and, and what others are going through. Brendan Manning tells this story um, in, in The Signature of Jesus. He writes, several years ago, a group of five computer salesmen went from Milwaukee to Chicago for a regional sales convention. All were married, and each assured his wife he would return home in ample time for dinner. The sales meeting ran late, and the five scurried out of the building and ran toward the train station. A whistle blew, signaling the imminent departure of the train. As the salesmen raced through the terminal, one of them inadvertently kicked over a slender table on which rested a basket of apples. A 10-year-old boy was selling apples to pay for his books and clothes for school. With a sigh of relief, the five clambered aboard the train, but the last felt a twinge of compassion for the boy whose apple stand had been overturned. He asked one of the, the group to call his wife and tell her he would be a couple hours late. He returned to the terminal and later remarked that he was glad he did. See, this 10-year-old boy was blind. And the salesman saw the apples scattered all over the floor. And as he gathered them up, them up, he noticed that several were bruised or split open. And, and so reaching into his pocket, he, he said to the boy, Hey, here's $20 for the apples we damaged. I hope we didn't spoil your day. God bless you. And as the salesman started to walk away, the blind boy called after him and asked, Are you Jesus? Are you Jesus? Well, he would have undoubtedly answered, no, 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 no. But on some level, he was, wasn't he? Because as he was living this life out and caring for this boy, he responded to, to the things that were going on. And, and, and a somewhat generous thing. Here's, he's, he's, he probably can't find them. He's got to feel around for these apples. And this guy out of nowhere comes and helps them out, and then gives some money for the ones that were bruised. Who would do this? In Antioch, uh, the term Christian is, the first, is used for the first time. Uh, those of Christ is what it means. And it's not used really by the church itself until the second century. It was used from outsiders looking at them. And one of the, there's something different about you. You're not just Jews believing something different. There's something different. And, and so the name Christian gets applied to them. And while it may have been something different to them than we would use it today, nevertheless, this idea of us 
being in Christ, of followers of him, well, that fits. Or at least it ought to. So much so that at some point, some might wonder, are you Jesus? Or are you Jesus? What is God doing in and through you? How is God giving you opportunities to live out his gracious life, his kindness and love, talking about this message and helping others to grow in it? Let's stand for closing prayer. Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love and for the challenge of these words to think through in, in difficulty of living for you and finding ways to help people grow and, and uh, giving up our resources, sometimes our time to, to, to move and, and help others. Thank you for Barnabas and for the model that he is. But thank you as well for the hearts of the, the people from Antioch to look at situations and, and make decisive actions to care and to help. Lord, help us to, to live this out, to fully embrace the call you've given to us. And as Barnabas says to the Antiochians, that we will be, we remain in with the Lord with all our hearts. We might remain true with you in every place that we go, in every circumstance that we find ourselves. Spirit of God, guide us, direct us. Open our eyes to what's around us that we may be your people in this place and in this time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you this day. Well, thanks again for listening. And to learn more about how you can connect with Bethel Community Church, check out our website at islandbethelchurch.com or join us for a service Saturday night at 6 or Sunday morning at 1045. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.